Why was this past week's Tisha B'Av different from any other Tisha B'Av, from all the other Tisha B'Avs that any of us have ever marked in our lives? This week's Tisha B'Av stands alone. This week's Tisha B'Av was different. And the reason is that in all the other Tisha B'Avs in our lives, we had a big luxury. The luxury was we got to read about it. It was history. The luxury was that we read about a historical fact that in the year 70, the temple was destroyed, and the Romans say, by Sinat Chinam, internal Jewish hatred. And then for 2,000 years, we had wandering and rootlessness and suffering. It was the luxury of being able to read about it. But this year's Tisha B'Av wasn't only about what happened in the year 70. It was about what happened Monday. And this year's Tisha B'Av wasn't about the past. It was about the present now and the future. And this year's Tisha B'Av was different because all the other Tisha B'Avs, all the mourning is a ritual. We're enacting a ritual. This year's Tisha B'Av the tears were real. If you love Zion, and if you love Israel, and if you love Jerusalem, you are actually weeping, and for very good reason. The day that the Knesset passed this legislation, Danny Gordas wrote a column. Now, you know Danny Gordas is no lefty. Danny Gordas has been the featured speaker at APAC dinners for the last 30 years years. And Danny Gordas wrote a column with the title, The Day the Music Died. And he writes, today was much worse than the day Yitzhak Rabin was murdered. Yes, Israel was bitterly split then, but the immediate damage was caused by a lone, morally corrupt gunman. Not today. Today, dozens of people did this. It no longer matters what side any of us were or are on. Israel, as we once knew it, no longer exists. It may heal. It may not. The army may survive, or it may not. Yes, we needed judicial reform. Almost everyone knows that. But we needed unity more than that. And we could have had both. And today, any semblance of unity, or even the possibility of restoring unity, died. More precisely, Israeli society as we knew it was murdered. That's from Danny Gordas. Now, what do we do with this grim assessment? What everybody wants to know, what Israelis on both sides of the divide want to know, what American Jews on all sides want to know, what America's political leadership wants to know is, very simply, is the trauma of this week, 
the fires burning, literally, and the smoke billowing, literally, and the highways blocked by thousands of protesters, literally, and Jewish policemen firing water that's been made to smell like skunks on Jewish protesters who will not leave because the future of their country depends on it. With soldiers and pilots saying, for the first time in the history of Israel, well, we're not going to serve because this means that Israel would not be a democracy. It would be more like Hungary. It would be more like Turkey. And we didn't sign up for that. The question everybody wants to know is, is this, in fact, the beginning of the end for Israel as we knew it? Is what Danny Gorda says true, that Israel that we grew up loving was murdered on Monday? Or is there any basis for hope? Is there hope for healing? Is there hope for restoration? More to the point, is hope reasonable or unreasonable in these circumstances? More to the point, is hope absolutely essential or is hope actually problematic because it's an exercise in futile denialism? Now, Tisha B'Av itself, the sources of Tisha B'Av, are marked by two voices, and those voices are always there, and those voices are always in tension and in loggerheads and in dialogue with one another. One voice is there is no hope. Hope is over, hope is gone. And the other voice is, of course, there is hope. One voice is there is no consolation to be had. And the other voice is, of course, there is consolation to be had. And so when Tisha B'Av begins Wednesday night, chapter one of Eicha, this author says, Ein la menachem. There's nobody to comfort Jerusalem. And then again, Ein menachem la. There is no one to comfort Jerusalem. And then again, Ein Menachem Lee, there is nobody to comfort me. The heartbroken author of Echa who says, hope is not realistic. Sober up. It's a new reality. Deal with it. That's Echa. And now, but two days later on Shabbat, it's Shabbat Nachamu, the Shabbat of Consolation that gets its name from the Haftorah that John and Ruth just chanted so beautifully from Isaiah. Nachamu, nachamu, ami, omar, alohechem. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. So who is right? Is the no hope voice of Echa chapter 1 right? Or is the voice of Isaiah, comfort, comfort my people, right? So let's start with the case for no hope. The case for no hope is strong. It's worryingly strong. On Tisha B'Av morning, Danny Gordas in his home in Jerusalem was interviewed by Mark Baker, the CEO of CJP, on a webinar. And Danny said he'd never been to any kind of Tisha B'Av like this Tisha B'Av. 
He was there at Tisha B'Av services with patriots and Zionists and warriors and pilots and builders and high-tech people, people who love Israel. And they were literally sitting on the ground and they were weeping, not ritual tears, real tears. And then he said, this is a three-dimensional Tisha B'Av. It's a three-dimensional Tisha B'Av because we're sitting on the ground reading about 2,000 years ago, Jerusalem was undone by internal hate. And in real time, Jerusalem is getting undone by internal hate. These tears were real. And then he tells this story that one morning he and his wife were driving to Tel Aviv to uh, take to be with their grandson whose tonsils were getting taken out. And his wife, Elisheva, who was the person who had inspired their family to make Aliyah 30 years ago. There's just a dark cloud in the car, a dark cloud in the country. And Elisheva turns to Danny and says, well, I guess it's been a good run. And then he says that at Shabbos lunch tables in their community. Everybody he knows in their community is having a conversation they never, ever, 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 ever had before. And that was that their kids, rising generation, are making plans to leave Israel. And therefore, now the parents of people who have been raised in Israel, who have dual citizenship in different countries, the conversation at the Shabbos dinner table is, if we want to see our kids, and if we want to see our grandkids, are we going to have to leave Israel too? And then he goes on to talk about the things that you all know, the fact that the army is really shaking now, with reservists and pilots not serving, the fact that, here's a scary thought, I didn't know this until Danny mentioned it in the webinar, Fully 70% of Israel's high-tech industry is actively talking about leaving Israel. Doctors are on strike, all of which coalesces around what many Israelis, I've heard this from many sources, you've heard this, if you follow the news, you've heard this, are calling the curse of the eighth decade. That is to say, the first Jewish commonwealth lasted for 73 years. And the second Jewish commonwealth lasted for 74 years. And now in year 75, what will be? And the true answer is no Israeli knows for sure. The case for no hope is strong. What is the case for hope? So. Many of you might have seen this video that went viral this week of the train station in Jerusalem with two long escalators. And one was going up and one was going down. And these escalators were filled with protesters who are on opposite sides of the issue. One escalator filled with protesters who supported the legislation, one filled with protesters who opposed the legislation. And the video that went viral shows that as these escalators are going in different directions, 
And as the passengers are going in different directions, some of the Israelis on both sides high-five each other. And it's a gesture, perhaps, that in the face of their difference, there is a shared history and a shared destiny and a shared country. And the question is, what do we make of this lovely gesture? Does it portend, perhaps, that there can be a return to sanity and civility and coming together? Or is it kind of an exception that proves the rule? The rule is Israel is bitterly divided and increasingly more so. And I got so many emails sending me this link, all of which made me think about an iconic moment in American history, which is that the story is told at the Constitutional Convention that George Washington had a chair and at the top of the chair was this emblem of the sun and its radiance. And the sun and its radiance was perfectly ambiguous. It could be a rising sun, the sun of a rising nation. It could be a setting sun, the sun of a nation that's not going to make it because they're too divided. And at the very end of the Constitutional Convention, Benjamin Franklin famously said, Every day during the convention, I was looking at this sun on George Washington's chair, wondering, is it a rising sun or a setting sun? And now that we have worked it out and the delegates have come together, I know that this is the sun of a rising nation. Now, Benjamin Franklin was able to do it because the delegates had worked out their differences. And the question is, will Israel be able to work out its differences so that this happy video portends a, a happy future. So I will just say one other thing in the hope department, one thing that gives me legitimately hope and could suggest that maybe this is going to turn in a good direction. Um, I sent to the shul yesterday a uh, video of a podcast from Micha Goodman, What Matters Now? And in it, he basically said that recent polling shows that 60 to 70% of Israelis want the same thing. It is 60 to 70% of Israelis across all political spectrum want judicial reform that will sensibly tweak the Supreme Court without neutering the Supreme Court. And Micha says if 60 to 70% want that, maybe not this week or next week, but in a year or two years, he believes that the country will get what the strong majority of it desires. So there is a case for hope, but in the end, it is only Israelis who can work out what is going to be with Israel. Which raises the question, what are we supposed to do in the meantime? And that's been a question that has been hanging over this since we all became aware of the contretemps over the judicial reform. What do we do here in Newton? What do we do here in Greater Boston? And Danny Gordas, in his webinar with Mark, offered three things that I have come to call the three L's. And I, I love these. I share them with you with a lot of conviction. The first L, do not lie about Israel. Tell the truth about Israel. Danny Gordon said he hates these uh, missives that you get sometimes from some North American Jewish organizations who say it's a great day for Israeli democracy. It's a great day for civic culture in Israel. And Danny Gorda says, if you say that, you literally know nothing about Israel. And if you say that, you literally know nothing about the plan that got passed. 
And if you say that, you don't get that the military is shaky, that the future generation is leaving, that high tech is leaving, that civil society is broken. Don't say that. It's not a great day for Israeli democracy. Tell the truth. The truth is it's the worst week in the history of Israel's 75 years. That's the truth. Tell the truth. And then Danny made an analogy. He said, if you're a parent and your kid is struggling, you don't lie about it. You don't deny it. You don't say if you're struggling, not thriving child, oh, it's fabulous, it's the greatest week. No, you deal with it. Israel's got to deal with it. And we can do our part by telling the truth. Second piece, the second L, is learn deeply about Israel. And of course, that means the events of the day. We all follow our news and podcasts. And it means putting it in a broader context of the Jewish people's story. We try to do that here, especially with Rachel Korasim. Even on Tisha B'Av, she was teaching from her home in Jaffa. But Danny also made the following point, and it's really great spiritual homework for all of us, including me. He said there's a lot of content in English written by constitutional scholars in Israel about the details of this whole deal, the judicial reform. And you should know why the Knesset package that got passed is really bad for Israeli democracy because it neuters the court and it removes check and balances. And you should know about a plan that would tweak and tweak it and strengthen it and preserve Israeli democracy and preserve balance of power. And we'll be getting out all of that content. And those of us who love Israel need to learn deeply about it, including those details. And here's the third L, and this is just so powerful. Don't stop loving Israel. When the going gets tough, don't get going. When the going gets tough, don't stop loving Israel. And he made another example, an analogy to parenthood. Your kid is struggling. They got psychological issues or emotional issues or physical issues or health issues or wellness issues. They're not thriving. What parent would say, I'm done. Parenthood is a drag. I'm only here for nachos missions. I'm only a parent when it's good. Somebody who says, I'm only a parent when it's good and easy and they're nachos machines, that's not a parent. And what kind of love of Israel is it to say, I'm only with Israel when it's Entebbe. I'm only with Israel when it's just great. If you love Israel, you love Israel when it's not great. How will we all show our love of Israel how will we all show up for Israel when Israel is in this dark crisis? So Israel and Israelis and Temple Emmanuel and us as members of Temple Emmanuel, we all have a big job to do. Israel and Israelis have to live up to their national anthem. Their national anthem is Hatikva, the hope. And their job is to make the hope not just a song, but their reality. Our job is to live up to our name. Did you know, did you know that we're named for a preposition? We're named for a preposition. We're named for the word with, W-I-T-H. We're the house of with. Emmanuel means that God is with us.
God is with us in our best times and in our worst times. God is with us in our happiest times and in our hardest times. God is with us all the time. That's what with means. If you're only there for the good times, that's not with. And we need to be with Israel now. We need to be with Israel even and especially right now. Shabbat Shalom.